lots to cover, so let's go ahead and get moving. Uh, we talked about negligence in torts today. Uh, most law schools actually start with negligence. I can't really remember the reasoning why my professor said that we're starting with liability and intentional torts and uh, privileges first, but most law schools start with ne- negligence, and we just barely started talking about uh, negligence in the sense of what it is and how you can determine whether or not somebody is negligent. The biggest thing to take away from negligence is, unlike intentional torts, it's mostly just accidents. What do you do when somebody accidentally does something, and are they negligent for that accident? So understanding negligence is not a science, but instead the courts have examined several principles to determine whether or not there was negligence. So each case that we're going to just briefly go over is going to try and outline some of the principles of negligence before we kind of put it all together in this risk-benefit analysis that we do so often when it comes to this uh, tort. Okay, so Lubitz is about a a person who uh, left a golf club lying around his kid and picked it up, swung it, and it hit another person who is now suing. And so we're wondering, is the father liable for negligence? And right here, the courts say no, uh, because it puts an undue burden on the defendant. Uh, For something as common as a golf club, the burden is too great uh, for the danger that is being presented. Uh, Blith, uh, just the key words here is that there was a waterworks company. Thing worked fine for 25 years before one year of bad weather where it busted, flooded a house. The big principle takeaway from this is the probable foreseeability. How foreseeable is it, this weather occurring? Okay, Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer v. Parcel. Here, the defendant had yanked the steering wheel of the other defendant, which, uh, first of all, uh, caused a little bit of fear, but they left it off. And then they did it again, and it caused an accident. And so now we're focusing on the danger or the gravity of harm from this. So even if it's not foreseeable that someone might grab the steering wheel again, given the dangerous circumstances considering how they were driving quickly, they need to put in this weight of danger. Okay, so, so far, we've talked about the burden, we've talked about foreseeability, we've talked about danger. Chicago B and QR Co. is the turntable case. This is probably one of the more famous cases because turntables were so popular and so useful. But they were also very dangerous. So what's the court do when this useful activity causes a lot of injuries? Well, they are going to weigh the utility of the activity. That's the big takeaway from that case. Because the turntable does a lot of public good, and by saving the railroad money and minimizing the cost to consumers, it can account for occasional injuries. Of course, there's things that Uh, the company needs to do, uh, such as 
putting on a lock and maintaining the lock so that it can't be played with and turned around. But even highly dangerous things, because they have a high utility, can outweigh the potential damages. In Davison, a person drove off the road, hit the guardrails. Guardrails were not the best, and he crashed down uh, into the ditch below. But this is another thing where we're examining the public utility. So even though some things are very beneficial for the public, the cost of maintaining it is so high that it doesn't make any sense to actually do those things. So when the burden is so high, uh, there can be room for omission of maintenance without being found liable. And finally... We, our final case was United States v. Carroll Towing Co., and this is another really famous case. Uh, here, it was there was a barge of flour, and it, it had sunk, and we're trying to determine who's negligent and if there's any negligence on uh, several parties. And the biggest takeaway from this is that we're given the calculus of negligence, and I'm not a very math-minded person, but here's how the formula goes. So it's a way to conceptualize the elements of negligence. You have P, which is the probability of a damage-causing event. You have L, which is the loss that can be anticipating if the event occurs. And then you have B, which is the burden or the cost of taking precautions that are needed to prevent harm. So if B is less than P times L the damage, sorry, then the person can be found liable for negligence. Meaning, if B is less than, so if the burden is less than the probability of damage and the loss that could occur from an event, and the defendant doesn't do anything about B, then they can be found liable. The big takeaway from this is that we're going to be doing a risk-benefit analysis. If the probability of an event is high, but the loss is low, well, then how's that weigh against the burden of the question? Or what if the loss is really high, but the probability of it happening is very low? So like, for example, take a nuclear plant. The probability of a nuclear leak is quite low, but the cost of that happening, if that happens, is extremely high. So, if the burden is not met, meaning if people are not taking the necessary precautions to prevent against that cost, well, then they can be found negligent. That's a good way of kind of trying to conceptualize this. It's no numbers are tied to it, but it's a way of thinking about it. So, just to sum up, everything that we're going to look for is the burden on the defendant, the foreseeability of an event occurring, the danger caused by emotion, by omission, the utility of having an activity, the cost of that utility, the probability of a damage-causing event, and the anticipating loss from that event. And that is everything as far as how we introduced negligence because there's so much to do with negligence. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing 
is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.